0: Why does God allow pain and suffering? Several things I to, want to mention to you. We probably won't answer the question, why? Don't know that I can actually give you the answer of why. Probably won't minimize your pain or your suffering. And I'm not going to tell you that it's going to get better. Just pray more. Just have more faith. One of the things that was really really kind of strange, I got to thinking about this. And we were in staff meeting and talking about the, the, the different messages we are looking at. And we actually chose, the the three of us that are are preaching this message, we actually chose the topic of why why does God allow pain and suffering. And then I got to thinking about it. It's like, hmm, we're preaching that, so are we part of the pain and suffering? I went, hmm, maybe, maybe not. I'm I'm not real sure on that one. I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way. Students, I'm not taking my shoes off, okay? On Wednesday nights, I normally have have my kind of sandals on and when I get ready to, to preach I just kick my shoes off um, and they keep asking you taking your shoes off no I'm not going to take my shoes off so don't want to do that to, to, to Lashes mat up here he'll be using that um, here in just a bit now talking about pain and suffering can we agree that pain and suffering is part of life is there anybody in here that has not had to deal with pain and suffering yet I don't see any hands actually I see less hands on that one than I did for those that want to come work in the block ministry Um, Had to get that one in real quick. So, the question is, why does God allow pain and suffering? Have you ever had anybody ask you that question? Here's what I want to take it towards. Instead of saying, why does God allow pain and suffering? Pain and suffering is part of life, and we've seen that. You know how pain and suffering started, right? Ultimately, we go back, and and it, it, it roots itself in sin. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, so there's going to be pain and suffering. Here's where I want us to take this to. Instead of saying, God, why? I want us to look at what next? And not the, okay, what next? Because you've, we've all, always heard that. You know, something happens, you go, okay, well, what next? I want us to look at it and go, okay, God, what next? Where do we take it from here? We know that there's going to be pain and suffering. Throughout Scripture, there are a lot of folks that have endured pain and suffering. Job. There's an entire book in the Bible dedicated to Job and his pain and suffering. I went back and started reading back through Job again, and I'm sitting there going, Wow. 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 And then I look at what I've been going through, and it's like, hmm. It was interesting last week, listening to Tiny preach on this message, and he says i got to thinking about this when home and asked my wife said we don't we're not no pain and suffering right i'm thinking you're a newlywed now let me qualify that statement because to me anybody that's been married less time than i've been married is still a newlywed in august we celebrated 30 years well i celebrated 30 years trish has endured 30 years so so we'll we'll go with that one but we have job look at david look at joseph look at jacob Look at Jesus. Now, I don't have the passage up there, so Greg, don't worry about trying to find this one. I want to read you something out of Psalm chapter 22. We know Psalm 23 pretty well, but let me read you some passages out of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my deliverance? And from my words of groaning, "My God, I cry by day, but you did not answer by night, yet I have not, yet I, I have no rest, but you were holy and thrown on the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you, they trusted you, you rescued them. They cried to you, and you were set free. They trusted you, and you were not and were not disgraced. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by men, despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let the Lord deliver him, since he takes pleasures in him. Skipping down to verse 12. Many bulls surround me. Strong ones of Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths against me. Lions, mauling, and roaring. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death. For dogs surrounded me, a gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. People look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and they, and they are casting lots for my clothing. But you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my, li- my only life from the power of these dogs. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will proclaim your name to the brothers. I will praise you in the congregation. You who fear Yahweh, praise Him. All the descendants of Jacob, honor Him. All you descendants of Israel, revere Him. For He has not despised or detested the torment of the afflicted. He did not hide His face from Him, but listened when He cried to Him for help. I will give praise in the congregation because of you. I will fulfill my vows before those who fear you. The humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise Him. May your hearts... Live forever. That's David writing right there. And David's talking about suffering. He's gone through some suffering. Did you catch part of what started out in that chapter? Did it sound real familiar to you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the further you go down through there, it talks about my hands and my feet have been pierced. People stare at me. They've taken my garments and broken them up into pieces, and now they're casting lots for them? Does that sound a whole lot like Matthew chapter 27? This is David writing. And David is sitting here going, I'm suffering. Man, I've been going through some stuff. But where does he end it up? I'm going to praise you in the congregation. I'm going to praise you in the congregation. I have a friend, or I should say I had a friend that uh, I taught with for a couple of years and then became good friends with him. And people used to say he was an atheist and he would tell people he was an atheist to get people off his back. He was not an atheist. He He was a very deep with lots of layers in his life. It was my friend Gerald. We became real good friends and we had a chance to share with him and share with him and share with him. And within the last couple of days of his life, with what Trish was doing, we feel like Gerald got to the point that he gave his life to Christ. Last weekend, we went to Colorado to spread his ashes in Estes Park. And we kind of had the last word because we spread him in a river. So we got to baptizing. (laughs) um, But let me tell you, Gerald went through some stuff. Gerald had uh, kidney failure. Because he'd had knee replacement, he'd start to, he would start. take a handful of Advil. Well, he quit taking Tylenol because, well, Tylenol will kill your liver. He didn't realize that Advil will kill your kidneys. And he was taking, you know, 20, 25 a day to take care of the pain in his knees because he wasn't doing the physical therapy that he needed to. Well, his kidneys shut down. Well, then he had colon cancer, and he didn't realize he had that until he got into the hospital. And so then Gerald decided, I'm going to go off a of dialysis because, you know what? It can't, it can't get any worse. It did. Gerald used, God used that pain and suffering in Gerald's life, I think, to show him some things. But here's what I want us to look at. I watched my wife minister to this man through her pain and suffering. A year ago this November, Trish had brain surgery. She had a condition that was called trigeminal neuralgia on one side... And then she had hemifacial spasms on the other side. And the one with the hemifacial spasms caused her face to twitch. And it would get worse and worse and worse. And it would drive her crazy. There were times that she would get these little crawly feelings that would move through her face. She got to the point she didn't want to sing. And I watched that. And it was great to watch her up here singing today. But I watched God use... The pain and suffering that she went through to minister to this old man. Because he knew what was going on. He knew the surgery was coming up. He died on October the 10th. Trish had her surgery in November. But I saw what God used in her life. That she didn't let that pain and suffering overcome her to the point. But God was able to use that. Think about suffering for a minute. I have a friend of mine describe suffering in this way. He says it can be translated from a range from extreme pain all the way to constant pressure. You catch that? Suffering can go from extreme pain to constant pressure. So think of something in your life right now. You got something in mind? That it's either going from extreme pain Or just constant pressure. And it can be anywhere in there. Because what may be suffering to me may not be suffering to you. What may be suffering to you may not be suffering to me. But let's work with that definition if we could real quick. Do this with me. If you would, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Tiny and I were talking about this yesterday. He says, you know, Lash always makes the comment, if you'll get out your copy of Scripture or turn it on or turn to it, that it's funny how many faces light up in the congregation when you say that because the screen gets brighter because most people are using a white page with, with black lettering on it. And it really is interesting when you see that. And I hope we don't lose sight of God's Word. The actual tangible. I love my Bible app because it's got a whole lot of my um, concordance and a lot of other things in there that I can pull from real quick and easy. Now I'm going to go ahead and read from from my iPad. Romans chapter 8 starting from verse 31. Paul is writing and he says, What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us as well. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Who is the one, or God is the one who justifies? Who is the one who condemns? Jesus Christ is the the one who died. But even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction, or anguish, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are not counted as sheep, or we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, Height or depth or anything, any created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Think about that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. Have you thought about your life and what part your life plays in the epic story? I borrowed Tiny's... um, Rope from last week. It's a great example. For him, I think this is a small piece of rope. (laughs) But you kind of get the idea here. If this were eternity, the whole rope were eternity. The students have seen a similar example. Trish talked to him about it one day. This green piece right here is my life. This represents my life. What am I going to focus on? If I look in here, here's a spot to where I got laid off from my job. Here's a spot where my dad died. Here's a spot where my father-in-law died. Here's a spot where Trish got the trigeminal neuralgia and the hemifacial spasms. Here's making decisions that I wasn't sure where it was going to go. Here's my life. Here's eternity. If you take into account what part we play in all of eternity, it's where I want you to pick up that question. What next? What next, God? And it's not a sad, oh, what next? It's a, what next? What do you need next? What are we doing next, God? This is my life. This is eternity. Tiny figured it out, and he said that this is about two and a half inches. If we were to figure this of our life, and I'm having to think, okay, he's a lot younger than I am. Um, he said that the rest of this would equal about fourteen thousand years. Well, I figure in my case, since he's almost half my age, um, that's probably going to be a lot more time for me. But if this is our life, what next? We're not minimizing suffering. Suffering happens. But it's suffering what's going to control it. It's suffering going to be what's the the thing that drives you. A couple of things I want to look at specifically in this passage real quick. Look at verse 37 real quick, if you would. Holman Christian Standard says it this way. Knowing all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. But Greg, I've got it up there in the King James Version. If you would put it up there for me in the King James. Folks, notice this. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. All these things. Here's what I want you to realize with this one. you see the word conquerors? Do you understand what the word conqueror means? Let's look at a couple of, a couple of um, civilizations that did some conquering. The Babylonians. When the Babylonians took over, how did they conquer? They would move in. I'm sorry, if I, if I stop when I ask a question, students tend to answer questions whether you want them to or not, so um, sometimes I stop and go... The Babylonians, when they would conquer, they would go in, they would take over, they would take the brightest and the best people, and they would take them back home, and they would indoctrinate them, and then try to put them back into culture. Oh, now they're Babylonians. Why do you think they took Daniel and... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They took him to indoctrinate him. You remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? That the king wanted to change him and do all this, and he had some of them that were changing, but these three guys didn't. And then the Lion's Den with Daniel and all that. So when the Babylonians would come in and they would conquer, they would want to change the culture. We're going to change the culture. We're going to take you and split you up to different places. Change the culture. How did the Romans change culture? The Romans came in and they left Israel where Israel was, right? They just came in and said, as long as you follow the rules, we're good. They had to pay taxes. They had to pay lots of taxes. But they were saying, stay where you are, it's okay. We're going to change this. We're going to do this. When they thought about conquerors, most of the time they would go back to the Babylonian period. We're changing your culture. We're trying to change your culture. So when you see this passage, it says we're more than conquerors. We, as followers and believers in Jesus Christ, are more than conquerors. We have done more than just conquer. We've gone beyond conquering. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. He has overcome everything. So we are more than conquerors because we are in his inheritance. Because we, as Christ followers, are called children of the king. We are children of the king. And we have that inheritance. So we are more than conquerors. So what are we dealing with? Yes, there's problems. It's not going to be alleviated. But what next? What next? Where do we go from there? Look at verse 38 real quick. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, or angels, or rulers, or things present, or things to come, hostile powers, height, or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at that word persuaded. Do you know what the word persuaded means? I'm going to take you to somewhere that you're not. I'm going to take you believing something a little further. How many folks like to go shop for new cars? I have one. (laughs) I see that hand. Why don't you like to go shop for new cars? You can answer. Salesman. Why? They keep talking. They're trying to convince you that you need that car, right? Went to sell my truck years ago in the panhandle. I had a short bed, white, single cab, Chevy pickup. At the time, they were going like wildfire. I was looking for something with a little bit more room in it, so we'd go to look for a car or look for a truck. And the salesman, they already had my truck sold by the time they even started showing me anything. They said, oh yeah, we can sell this thing. And I kept trying to work the deal, and I said, well, you know what, I don't have to buy a vehicle. Um, okay, I was smart, I brought the second set of keys to my truck with me, and I kept them. Because they said, well, you know, we've got your keys, and it's like, I've got my keys too. You're trying to persuade me to do something. You're trying to move me to a new location, into something different. Here's where I think Paul is taking us. Guys, we have problems. We have pain, we have suffering... We know it's there. It's going to be there. But as he said, I am persuaded that nothing is going to separate me from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing is going to separate us at all. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I don't care what it is, it's not going to separate us. Do we want to take and fire God? Because Tiny said this last week, and I think Lash may have said it. Do we want to fire God and say, God, you're not doing what I want you to do. Guess what? This life is really and truly not about me. It's about Jesus. What next? Are we going to allow what happens in our life to bring glory to God regardless? My job is to bring glory to God. My job is to bring glory to God in whatever circumstance I'm in. Think about the Apostle Paul. What all did Paul go through? Shipwreck. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He's gone through a lot. You think Paul had pain and suffering? Probably so. What did Paul say? I am persuaded that not even death or life nor angels or rulers or things present or things to come or hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing, any other created thing, make sure we catch that, will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I look at that and go, yes, yes. I watched my wife do that. I look back at things in my life and I go, God, through some of these things that you caused, you showed me your love. You showed me your love. So now I'm having to get to the point, I still want to do the pity party. Do y'all ever do pity parties? Do you ever invite your friends to your pity parties? What if you happen to walk up and talk about, Oh, life is so bad. You wouldn't believe what happened. We're trying to invite folks to our pity parties. Do you realize that most people don't get to cater a pity party? Go check with Royal Catering and see if they want to, want to cater a pity party. Are pity parties fun? Not really. I mean, if we think about it, it's kind of like, I want to moan and groan and complain a little bit. Okay, so I get to do that. But if it becomes a pity party, hmm, I have to stop and look at things that go on in my life and say, okay, God, what next? What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this, God? I'm excited about what God's doing. When something happens, I'll look at it and I go, okay, God's at work. Because Satan's going to be at work. The enemy's going to be at work to try to discourage us, to keep us from letting God's glory show through whatever's going on in our life. The enemy can't touch us. But He can sure distract us so that we're not letting God's glory show through. It's what we're supposed to do. As Christ followers, we're supposed to let God's glory show through in any situation regardless. It's not always easy. The thing is, is I just, I just want to make sure Standing in a room of folks at church to make the assumption that everybody is in here going, you know, I get that. There may be somebody sitting here and looking and going, I kind of get it, but I really don't get it. The glory of God wants to show through because what God has got planned. When you look at the length of your life compared to eternity, we have the opportunity to be a play, play a, a part in this epic story. And I want to make sure everybody here has that opportunity to be able to look and say, you know what, I have a part in that epic story. And I want to be a part of it because of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. Because God loved me enough to let Jesus die in my place. Because Scripture says, because of sin, death has to happen then Jesus said, I will take that place. And God offers it as a gift. If we're willing to take that. Romans says this. If you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And today is that day that if you've not done that before, if you've not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, This can be the day that you stop and say, I'm doing this. I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I believe it in my heart and confessing it with your mouth means let somebody know. If you do that this morning, you get to that point, you come catch me, you catch Lash, you catch Paul. Catch one of us and look and go, I asked Jesus in my life. I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then that glory of God gets to shine through. And we have a part to play in that epic Adventure is called eternity. And we have that opportunity with the decision that we want to make. My prayer is that if you've not done that, that you do. That you get to that point. My prayer is also this, for those of us that are Christ followers, that we get to the point to where we stop and look and say, God's glory needs to shine through my life. Your problems aren't going to go away. The pain and suffering is still going to be there. God's bigger than that. But I need to let God's glory shine through. Paul writes that he had what was considered a thorn in his side or a thorn in the flesh. He prayed that God would remove it three different times. And God kept saying, my grace is enough. God may take the pain and suffering away. He may not. Can I tell you why? No. but God's glory wants to shine through. Can I still trust God in the midst of what's going on? Can I still trust God? You realize that there are people that you work with that may be going through the exact same thing that you're going through or that you go to school with. That God's glory can shine through you in the midst of what's going on to help show them who Jesus Christ is and the love of God that He has shown through Christ Jesus. Pray with me if you would. Fathers, we come to this point with commitment. God, what do we do with what you've said? What do we do? God, I pray that you would help us to, to let your glory shine through. And Father, if somebody needs to make that decision today to place their faith and trust in you because of what you did through Jesus Christ on a cross and through that tomb and that that tomb could not hold him but that he is alive and sitting beside you right now. Father, through that gift that you offer, I pray today would be that day that folks would step out and say, I'm placing my faith and trust. And God, for those of us that have done that, help us to let your glory shine in all that we do in every situation regardless of what is going on not to minimize our pain or our suffering but to God, God that you can use that to show your love and your mercy and your grace to a fallen world Father thank you for your love it's in Jesus name we pray Amen.